Section 11, Chapter 8, Part 1 of The Life and Adventures of Kit Carson. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phil Schempf. The Life and Adventures of Kit Carson by DeWitt C. Peters. Section 11, Chapter 8, Part 1. Kit Carson Visits Fremont's Camp goes on the second exploring expedition the necessary arrangements trip to salt lake explorations there carson is dispatched to fort hall for supplies their operations at salt lake the great island the journey to the columbia river in oregon incidents on the route klamath lake the journey to california the trials and privations met with while crossing the Sierra Nevada Mountains. Mr. Pruce is lost but finds the party again. Arrival at Sutter's Fort in a destitute condition. Two of the party become deranged. The route on the return trip. Mexicans come into their camp asking aid and protection. Indian depredations. Carson and Godey start on a daring adventure. The pursuit the thieves overtaken these two white men attack thirty indians the victory horses retaken the return to camp one of their companions killed the journey continued arrival at bent's fort the fourth of july dinner a few days before kit carson's arrival at bent's fort Colonel Fremont had passed by and had informed the traitors that he was bound on another exploring expedition. Having finished up his business with the Mexicans, Kit thought he would like to see his old commander once again. Accordingly, he started on his trail, and after seventy miles of travel came up with him. The meeting proved to be mutually agreeable, although Kit Carson had made this visit solely from his desire to see his old commander and not with a view of joining his second expedition, Colonel Fremont insisted so strongly upon having Kit accompany him that he acquiesced in doing so. For Colonel Fremont, Kit Carson has the greatest admiration. He knows, as well as any man living, his bravery, his talents, and the many splendid qualities of his mind and heart. The question will naturally arise, does Kit Carson endorse the political creed upon which Colonel Fremont accepted the nomination for the presidency of the United States? The best answer, and the one which is true, will be, Kit Carson considers it one of the highest honors and greatest blessings to be a citizen of the United States. He is willing to incur any danger for his country's good, even if the sacrifice of his life is the alternative. He has spent all his life in the wilds of America where news is always as scarce an article as luxuries of the table and fireside, and where the political strifes of factions and parties are not known. The inference will be therefore plainly apparent that his curiosity does not lead him to examine very attentively the minute workings of political machinery. He is not a man to be swayed by friendship from performing any act which the interests of his country seem to require at his hands his political bias will therefore remain a matter of conjecture until such time if his life is spared to see it when new mexico shall be admitted into the union as a state so far 
he has never lived where he could exercise the right of franchise the time must come which shall entitle him to a presidential vote before he decides what political party shall count him as its supporter soon after kit carson was again enrolled under the command of colonel fremont he received orders to return to ben's fort and purchase some mules of which the party stood in need mules are valuable animals in new and mountainous countries they are often the only beasts of burden which can be successfully used in crossing the wild mountains being more sure-footed and more able to endure great fatigue than the horse in such expeditions they become absolutely necessary while he was absent on this duty the expedition journeyed first to soda springs and thence on to st vrain's fort which was located on the south fork of the platte at this point the expedition was joined by major fitzpatrick with a company of forty men which he had enrolled under orders to assist in the exploration when kit carson had rejoined the party the arrangements for the arduous task in view were nearly complete colonel fremont divided his forces sending one division with most of the camp equipage on the more direct route this division was placed under the command of major fitzpatrick the other division under the command of colonel fremont consisting of a squad of fifteen men and his guide kit carson struck out up thompson's fork the object of this expedition had in view by the government was to have colonel fremont connect his explorations of the preceding year with the coast surveys of commander wilkes on the pacific this would give the data for making a correct map of the interior of the wild lands of the continent from thompson's fork colonel fremont's division marched to the cache la poudre river and thence to the plains of laramie until they came to the north fork of the platte this river they crossed below the new park and bent their way to the sweetwater reaching at a point about fifteen miles below the devil's gate from this point they traveled almost the same road which is now used by emigrants and which leads to soda springs on beaver river it had been decided by fremont to go to the great salt lake and accomplish its exploration he therefore started for that direction but before doing so he ordered kit carson to proceed to fort hall and obtain such supplies as were required after procuring these necessities kit carson with one companion and his pack animals set out on the return from fort hall and eventually found fremont on the upper end of salt lake from here the party journeyed around to the east side of the lake a distance of about twenty miles at this spot they obtained a good view of the lake and its adjacent scenery before him and in bold relief stood out everything which the explorer desired to examine even to one of the several islands which are located in the midst of this wonderful collection of saline waters to this isolated land fremont was resolved to go among the rest of the forethought supplies there was an india rubber boat this was ordered to be made ready for a trip to the island early the following day no doubt our readers will be pleased to enjoy colonel fremont's account of this lake its scenery and characteristics we insert therefore as much thereof as our space will permit it was the twenty-first day of august eighteen forty three that the little party reached bear river which as has already appeared in another part of this work was the principal tributary of the great salt lake at this point of colonel fremont's narrative he says we were now entering a region which for us possessed a strange and extraordinary interest 
we were upon the waters of the famous lake which forms a salient point among the remarkable geographical features of the country and around which the vague and superstitious accounts of the trappers had thrown a delightful obscurity which we anticipated pleasure in dispelling but which in the meantime left a crowded field for the exercise of our imagination in our occasional conversations with the few old hunters who had visited the region it had been a subject of frequent speculation and the wonders which they related were not the less agreeable because they were highly exaggerated and impossible hitherto this lake had been seen only by trappers who were wandering through the country in search of new beaver streams caring very little for geography its islands had never been visited and none were to be found who had entirely made the circuit of its shores and no instrumental observations or geographical survey of any description had ever been made anywhere in the neighboring region it was generally supposed that it had no visible outlet but among the trappers including those in my own camp were many who believed that somewhere on its surface was a terrible whirlpool through which its waters found their way to the ocean by some subterranean communication all these things had made a frequent subject of discussion in our desultory conversations around the fires at night and my own mind had become tolerably well filled with their indefinite pictures and insensibly colored with their romantic descriptions which in the pleasure of excitement i was well disposed to believe and half expected to realize in about six miles travel from our encampment we reached one of the points in our journey to which we had always looked forward with great interest the famous beer springs which on account of the effervescing gas and acid taste had received their name from the voyageurs and trappers of the country who in the midst of their rude and hard lives are fond of finding some fancied resemblance to the luxuries they rarely have the good fortune to enjoy although somewhat disappointed in the expectations which various descriptions had led me to form of unusual beauty of situation and scenery i found it altogether a place of very great interest and a traveller for the first time in a volcanic region remains in a constant excitement and at every step is arrested by something remarkable and new there is a confusion of interesting objects gathered together in a small place around the place of encampment the beer springs were numerous but as far as we could ascertain were entirely confined to that locality in the bottom in the bed of the river in front for a space of several hundred yards they were very abundant and the effervescing gas rising up and agitating the water in countless bubbling columns in the vicinity round were numerous springs of an entirely different and equally marked mineral character in a rather picturesque spot about thirteen hundred yards below our encampment and immediately on the river bank is the most remarkable spring of the place in an opening on the rock a white column of scattered water is thrown up in form like a jet d'eau to a variable height of about three feet and though it is maintained in a constant supply its greatest height is attained only at regular intervals according to the action of the force below it is accompanied by a subterranean noise which together with the motion of the water makes very much the impression of a steamboat in motion and without knowing that it had been already previously so called we gave to it the name of the steamboat spring 
the rock through which it is forced is slightly raised in a convex manner and gathered at the opening into an urn mouth form and is evidently formed by the continued deposition from the water and colored bright red by oxide of iron it is a hot spring and the water has a pungent and disagreeable metallic taste leaving a burning effect on the tongue within perhaps two yards of the jet d'eau is a small hole of about an inch in diameter through which at regular intervals escapes a blast of hot air like a light wreath of smoke accompanied by regular noise as they approached the lake they passed over a country of bold and striking scenery and through several gates as they called certain narrow valleys the standing rock is a huge column occupying the centre of one of these passes it fell from a height of perhaps three thousand feet and happened to remain in its present upright position at last on the sixth of september the object for which their eyes had long been straining was brought to view september sixth this time we reached the butte without any difficulty and ascending to the summit immediately at our feet beheld the object of our anxious search the waters of the inland sea stretching in still and solitary grandeur far beyond the limit of our vision it was one of the great points of the exploration and as we looked eagerly over the lake in the first emotions of excited pleasure i am doubtful if any of the followers of balboa felt more enthusiasms when from the heights of the andes they saw for the first time the great western ocean it was certainly a magnificent object and a noble terminus to this part of our expedition and to the travellers so long shut up among mountain ranges a sudden view over the expanse of silent waters had in it something sublime several large islands raised their rocky heads out of the waves but whether or not they were timbered was still left to our imagination as the distance was too great to determine if the dark hues upon them were woodland or naked rock during the day the clouds had been gathering black over the mountains to the westward and while we were looking a storm burst down with sudden fury upon the lake and entirely hid the islands from our view on the edge of the stream a favorable spot was selected in a grove and felling the timber we made a strong corral or horse-pen for the animals and a little fort for the people who were to remain we were now probably in the country of the utah indians though none reside upon the lake the india rubber boat was repaired with prepared cloth and gum and filled with air in readiness for the next day the provisions which carson had brought with him now being exhausted and our stock reduced to a small quantity of roots i determined to retain with me only a sufficient number of men for the execution of our design and accordingly seven were sent back to fort hall under the guidance of francois la Junisset, who having been for many years a trapper in the country was an experienced mountaineer we form now but a small family with mr pruce and myself carson beignet and bazel la Junisset had been selected for the boat expedition the first ever attempted on this interior sea and bedeau with de rosier and jacob the colored man were left in charge of the camp we were favored with the most delightful weather to-night there was a brilliant sunset of golden orange and green which left the western sky clear and beautifully pure but clouds in the east made me lose an oculation the summer frogs were singing around us and the evening was very pleasant with a temperature of sixty degrees a night of a more southern autumn 
for our supper we had yampa the most agreeably flavored of the roots seasoned by a small fat duck which had come in the way of jacob's rifle around our fire to-night were many speculations on what to-morrow would bring forth and in our busy conjectures we fancied that we should find every one of the large islands a tangled wilderness of trees and shrubbery teeming with game of every description that the neighboring region afforded and which the foot of white man or indian had never violated frequently during the day clouds had rested on the summits of their lofty mountains and we believed that we should find clear streams and springs of fresh water and we indulged in anticipations of the luxurious repasts with which we were to indemnify ourselves for past privations neither in our discussions were the whirlpool or other mysterious dangers forgotten which indians and hunters stories attributed to this unexplored lake the men had discovered that instead of being strongly sowed like that of the preceding year which had so triumphantly rowed the canyons up the upper great platte our present boat was only pasted together in a very insecure manner the maker having been allowed so little time in the construction that he was obliged to crowd the labor of two months into several days the insecurity of the boat was sensibly felt by us and mingled with the enthusiasm and excitement that we all felt at the prospect of undertaking which had never before been accomplished was a certain impression of danger sufficient to give a serious character to our conversation the momentary view which had been had of the lake the day before its great extent and rugged islands dimly seen amidst the dark waters in the obscurity of the sudden storm were well calculated to heighten the idea of undefined danger with which the lake was generally associated september eighth a calm clear day with a sunrise temperature of forty one degrees in view of our present enterprise a part of the equipment of the boat had been made to consist of three air-tight bags about three feet long and capable each of containing five gallons these had been filled with water the night before and were now placed in the boat with our blankets and instruments consisting of a sextant telescope spy-glass thermometer and barometer in the course of the morning we discovered that two of the cylinders leaked so much as to require one man constantly at the bellows to keep them sufficiently full of air to support the boat although we had made a very early start we loitered so much on the way stopping every now and then and floating silently along to get a shot at a goose or a duck that it was late in the day when we reached the outlet the river here divided into several branches filled with fluvials and so very shallow that it was with difficulty we could get the boat along being obliged to get out and wade we encamped on a low point among rushes and young willows where there was a quantity of driftwood which served for our fires the evening was mild and clear we made a pleasant bed of the young willows and geese and ducks enough had been killed for an abundant supper at night and for breakfast next morning the stillness of the night was enlivened by millions of waterfowl september nine the day was clear and calm the thermometer at sunrise was forty nine degrees as is usual with the trappers on the eve of any enterprise our people had made dreams and theirs happened to be a bad one one which always preceded evil and consequently they looked very gloomy this morning but we hurried through our breakfast in order to make an early start and have all the day before us for our adventure 
the channel in a short distance became so shallow that our navigation was at an end being merely a sheet of soft mud with a few inches of water and sometimes none at all forming the low water shore of the lake all this place was absolutely covered with flocks of screaming plover we took off our clothes and getting overboard commenced dragging the boat making by this operation a very curious trail and a very disagreeable smell in stirring up the mud as we sank above the knee at every step the water here was still fresh with only an insipid and disagreeable taste probably derived from the bed of fetid mud after proceeding in this way about a mile we came to a small black ridge on the bottom beyond which the water became suddenly salt beginning gradually to deepen and the bottom was sandy and firm it was a remarkable division separating the fresh water of the rivers from the briny water of the lake which was entirely saturated with common salt pushing our little vessel across the narrow boundary we sprang on board and at length were afloat on the waters of the unknown sea we did not steer for the mountainous islands but directed our course towards a lower one which it had been decided we should first visit the summit of which was formed like a crater at the upper end of bear river valley so long as we could touch the bottom with our paddles we were very gay but gradually as the water deepened we became more still in our frail bateau of gum cloth distended with air and with pasted seams although the day was very calm there was a considerable swell on the lake and there were white patches of foam on the surface which were slowly moving to the southward indicating the set of a current in that direction and recalling the recollection of the whirlpool stories the water continued to deepen as we advanced the lake becoming almost transparently clear of an extremely beautiful bright green color and the spray which was thrown into the boat and over our clothes was directly converted into a crust of common salt which covered also our hands and arms captain said carson who for some time had been looking suspiciously at some whitening appearances outside the nearest islands what are those yonder won't you just take a look with the glass we ceased paddling for a moment and found them to be the caps of the waves which were beginning to break under the force of a strong breeze that was coming up the lake the form of the boat seemed to be an admirable one and it rode on the waves like a water bird but at the same time it was extremely slow in its progress when we were little more than halfway across the reach two of the divisions between the cylinders gave way and it required the constant use of the bellows to keep it in sufficient quantity of air for a long time we scarcely seemed to approach our island but gradually we worked across the rougher sea of the open channel into the smoother water under the lee of the island and began to discover what we took for a long row of pelicans ranged on the beach were only low cliffs whitened with salt by the spray of the waves and about noon we reached the shore the transparency of the water enabling us to see the bottom at a considerable depth the cliffs and masses of rock upon the shore were whitened by an incrustation of salt where the waves dashed up against them and the evaporating water which had been left in holes and hollows on the surface of the rocks was covered with a crust of salt about one-eighth of an inch in thickness carrying with us the barometer and other instruments in the afternoon we ascended to the highest point of the island a bare rocky peak eight hundred feet above the lake standing on the summit we enjoyed an extended view of the lake 
enclosed in a basin of rugged mountains which sometimes left marshy flats and extensive bottoms between them and the shore and in other places came directly down into the water with bold and precipitous bluffs as we looked over the vast expanse of water spread out beneath us and strained our eyes along the silent shores over which hung so much doubt and uncertainty and which were so full of interest to us i could hardly repress the almost irresistible desire to continue our exploration but the lengthening snow on the mountains was a plain indication of the advancing season and our frail linen boat appeared so insecure that i was unwilling to trust our lives to the uncertainties of the lake i therefore unwillingly resolved to terminate our survey here and remain satisfied for the present with what we had been able to add to the unknown geography of the region we felt pleasure also in remembering that we were the first who in the traditional annals of the country had visited the islands and broken with the cheerful sound of human voices the long solitude of the place i accidentally left on the summit the brass cover to the object end of my spyglass and as it will probably remain there undisturbed by indians it will furnish matter of speculation to some future traveller in our excursions about the island we did not meet with any kind of animal a magpie and another large bird probably attracted by the smoke of our fire paid us a visit from the shore and were the only living things seen during our stay the rock constituting the cliffs along the shore where we were encamped is a talcus rock or steatite with brown spar at sunset the temperature was seventy degrees we had arrived just in time to obtain a meridian altitude of the sun and other observations were obtained this evening which place our camp in latitude forty one degrees ten minutes forty two seconds and longitude one hundred and twelve degrees twenty one minutes five seconds from greenwich from a discussion of the barometrical observations made during our stay on the shores of the lake we have adopted four thousand two hundred feet for its elevation above the gulf of mexico in the first disappointment we felt from the dissipation of our dream of the fertile islands i called this disappointment island out of the driftwood we made ourselves pleasant little lodges open to the water and having kindled large fires to excite the wonder of any straggling savage on the lake shores lay down for the first time in a long journey in perfect security no one thinking about his arms the evening was extremely bright and pleasant but the wind rose during the night and waves began to break heavily on the shore making our island tremble i had not expected in our inland journey to hear the roar of an ocean surf and the strangeness of our situation and the excitement we felt in the associated interests of the place made this one of the most interesting nights i remember during our long expedition in the morning the surf was breaking heavily on the shore and we were up early the lake was dark and agitated and we hurried through our scanty breakfast and embarked having first filled one of the buckets with water from the lake of which it was intended to make salt the sun had risen by the time we were ready to start and it was blowing a strong gale of wind almost directly off the shore and raising a considerable sea in which our boat strained very much it roughened as we got away from the island and it required all the efforts of the men to make any head against the wind and sea the gale rising with the sun and there was a danger of being blown into one of the open reaches beyond the island at the distance of a half a mile from the beach the depth of water was sixteen feet with a clay bottom 
but as the working of the boat was very severe labor and during the operation of sounding it was necessary to cease paddling during which the boat lost considerable way i was unwilling to discourage the men and reluctantly gave up my intention of ascertaining the depth and the character of the bed there was a general shout in the boat when we found ourselves in one fathom and we soon after landed we now resume kit carson's narrative when the indian rubber boat was put in order colonel fremont started taking kit carson and three others as companions their names have already appeared the distance from the mainland to the island is computed to be about three leagues hence the pull at the oars for landsmen unaccustomed to such work was no small task however a landing upon the island was safely accomplished the boat made fast and the investigations commenced after examining most of the island without finding even a spring of water on it it was determined to ascend the great hill which was the highest elevation on it the party was not long in reaching the summit where they found a shelving rock on which they cut a cross their names and the date as signs to after visitors should any such follow in their footsteps that they had been the first persons who had ever within the knowledge of man been on that island the day having been far spent in their labors orders were given to camp on the island for the night on the morrow they departed for the mainland when they had accomplished about one league being one-third of the distance the clouds suddenly gathered and threatened a storm just as this danger impended the air which acted in giving buoyancy to the boat by some accident began to escape a man was immediately stationed at the bellows and it required his constant aid to supply the portion which steadily escaped colonel fremont then ordered the men to pull for their lives and try thus to escape the danger of the impending storm in this instance as indeed in every hour of peril an all-seeing providence guided them in safety to the shore soon after they arrived the storm came on with such fury that it caused the water of the lake according to the natural watermark to rise ten feet in one hour the party soon after recommenced their march and proceeded some distance up the bear river crossing it they went to the mulatta and thence on until they reached fort hall here they met with the division under fitzpatrick and made a short stay end of section eleven chapter eight part one